What's up, everybody? And welcome to Beer People. I'm Matt Prince. And I'm Chris Horn. And we're Beer People. Not bad. 90. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an A minus. I give it, I give my student A minus. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's up, Chris? Hey, Matt. It's good to see uh, you, man. Good to see you, too. You're looking good. Looking Thanks. like healthy and glowing, you know. That's I, a good thing, Chris. You mentioned glowing. I'm going to have to tell my friend Tanner about this. I, For the first time in my life, I have a skincare routine. And he messaged me the other day. He was the one who gave me advice about how to do so. He was like, you should be glowing now. And maybe I am. You know, Chris, two things. First of all, can you just tell the listeners how old you are? I am 31. And you're just starting uh, a skincare routine? Chris, the wrinkles, the crow's feet. I mean, I use a face moisturizer every morning and a little serum as well, facial serum. And then at night, I have an APM moisturizer as well. What have you been doing, Chris? Have you put anything on your face? I've been doing the pretty classic, um, just like splash with water, sometimes also maybe sometimes buy a, a cleanse a, I don't know cleanser thing in that CVS that I use periodically and uh, now I'm having to hopefully make up or slow down the onslaught that these wrinkles and gross feet oh, I'm like man. a little too late yeah maybe that's why I noticed the glow because maybe what I haven't noticed is all of your wrinkles. No, I'm just joking, Chris. I don't think you of you as a wrinkly man, but I'm very happy for you and your skincare routine. It is already doing wonders for you. And yes, there is a glow. Thank you. And I, I maybe someday, but I hope never to be described again as a wrinkly man. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Uh, you know, Chris, I'm, I'm excited about this episode. I'm always excited, but like, I'm always excited for different reasons. And, um, Today, we uh, are going to share with the listeners an, inter- an interview we did with the owner of Cartesian Brewing in South Philly, uh, Evan, and his head brewer, Alex. Um, I was turned on to Evan by one of my best friends, uh, Charlie. He is neighbors with Evan, and he's like, yo, my neighbor is opening up this brewery, and I told him about you, and this was like back when I was doing Take a Shelfie and he was still getting open and kind of getting a space together. So he wasn't ready to talk to us yet. And then by the time he was ready to talk, I was already onto a new podcast, which he didn't realize was different from, which was the same, I guess, as Take a Shelfie, like with me being on both. And he was talking to me about both podcasts at the same time, not realizing I was the same person. So that's kind of funny. Like I was, he thought he was setting up two different podcast recordings and I was like, nope, still me. Nope. I'm both <laughs> like, it was kind of funny, but, uh, that's great. I, I am uh, very excited because, um, the listeners are going to get to hear how it works when the head brewer and the owner are two different people. Um, and how, you know, they didn't know each other when this project started and then Evan hired Alex and their relationship and beer preference and beer creation developed from there. And it's really cool to see how that went. Yeah, absolutely. And listeners will be able to hear some of their process happening live on the interview. Uh, It's really neat to kind of bear witness to the creative process of who likes what and what direction should the brewery go. And one of the other things that stands out to me is that Cartesian is a truly neighborhood brewery. This 
their location is surrounded by row homes in South Philadelphia. And as such, they try to emulate that like with the layout of their back patio. It feels like being on in a residential back patio. And they also live, at least um, Evan does, lives in the area um, and have talked about, you know, what would it look like to make a bigger footprint in the area and, and how to do so. And as a shout out to them, one of the beers that I'd like to highlight before we get to the interview is their single coil IPA, which is a hazy that stands up there with the best of them. And this was one of the, I think it was the first beer that I had from Cartesian. And it actually was one that when they first were getting started and didn't open yet, they had an Instagram contest to celebrate, I think, having their first hundred followers or, or some number like that. And if you tagged a friend, you know, something in the comments, then you could potentially earn a $10 gift card. And I was the winner. So made my way down there pretty early on and treated myself to single coil, which was absolutely fantastic. You know, Chris, I'm also uh, want to point out one of their beers. I'm enjoying Concrete Picnic, which um, is a spring ale, which I've actually noticed a couple of breweries doing now. Um, we'll talk to uh, Necromancer and they do a spring ale, a beer de printemps uh, for our, my French speakers. Uh it's very similar to a beer to guard, only way dialed back. It's like a more easy drinker. And I believe the spring ale probably fits within that. One of the cool things about the style is it's kind of a blank slate. You can kind of make of it what you want. But um, a spring ale, it just is kind of very inviting. And it just sounds like something you want to enjoy outside. And it, it, it really is delicious. And um, it's the kind of beer that I wish I had more of because I wish I could be outside on a you know, a picnic, enjoying it. Would you say it's a good lawnmower beer, Matt? You know, Chris, <laughs> many beers can be great lawnmower beers, as the listeners probably have already heard from me. Uh, I would enjoy this after a day out in the backyard mowing the lawn, but today I'm enjoying it before I mow the lawn. And you know what uh, you would be doing when you mow the lawn? You'd probably be applying some SPF uh, sunscreen to your face to go along with that skincare routine of the AM PM moisturizers and whatnot. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Matt, let's get to the interview. So without further ado, you're going to hear our live recording at the brewery with our friends at Cartesian. Alex Roth. Nope. Nope. Evan Roth. Start over. <laughs> Evan Roth. Alex Lay. Yeah, I was like, I was like, nope. Those are they're they're not the pieces that fit together. All right. Evan Roth, Alex Lay. Welcome to Beer People. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Hell yeah, guys. It's great to be here. So to set the stage for listeners, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the environment in which we find ourselves right now? Yeah, sure. This is uh, Cartesian Brewing. We're down in South Philly uh, on East Passion Avenue or Passion Avenue, if you want to have the cred. Um, we're like a half block where we call Cheesesteak Vegas, which is like Pats and Gino's Cheesesteaks. It's like the, one of the tourist epicenters down in South Philadelphia. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great to be on East Passion Avenue in South Philadelphia. Hell yeah. And so for listeners too, my uh, experience coming through the brewery, if you were to be here yourself, you um, are walking among a bunch of like row homes and then you happen upon this black 
brick front. And lo and behold, you open the door and there's this magnificent amount of square footage uh, to this new small brewery. And we walked through by the brewing equipment to get outside and now we're surrounded by like houses and we've got a heater here and some uh, Edison bulbs and you guys just have a great venue here. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, the space is, is very odd. It's, it's a testament to uh, an old city and also a testament to how, you know, diagonal streets can really screw things up. Um, the property is long and skinny and then it goes back and has all these non-right angles. So my architects were, were killing me during the design phase, <laughs> coming out trying to measure things and it, nothing went right. Um, and in terms of fitting the equipment, you know, we had to do so many different test fits to even, even get it right and change it in construction just because the building is, is so weird. Um, but that adds a lot of the, the charm to it. Um, there was only really one way we could lay it out and that, that allowed us to have the awesome space that we do. That's awesome. So you guys are, for the most part, still in your infancy here as a brewery in Philadelphia. Talk about what it's been like to be part of the Philadelphia brewing industry uh, community and um, talk about where you see yourselves kind of going from here. I mean, you're, you're open, you're making beer, and where do you see, you know, Cartesian fitting in to the greater landscape? Uh, it's been very, it's been really welcoming, actually. I thought it was going to be super competitive because I'm not from Philadelphia. So, and I know, but I know a lot of the heavy hitters here before I came. So I was like, oh, this is probably going to be a competitive beer town. Everybody's probably fighting for square footage. There's only so many people, you know, so much foot traffic you can get. Uh, and everybody's been awesome. Like I've, I've had, I've had conversations. We've already had collabs with other people. I've had conversations with a million of the brewers in town. Um, everybody, if you need anything, like there's a, I just got texted the other day. If somebody was like, Hey, you have any decks? Cause like, I just need decks. Like I just need a little, and Dex we, sugar for brewing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't, we didn't have any. I was like, oh, I got everything but that. Uh, and he's like, Oh, sorry. You know, thank you. But whatever. But like, it, that's the type of community that's here. Um, and they've been really welcoming. Um, and that was not that I expected people to be mean, but I just expected to be like competitive. And it just is not that at all. People are so happy to talk, to say, hey, like we're a small brewery, nobody knows us. And I just email people, I'm like, hey, I'm here, like outside, I have beer. And they're like, oh yeah, come on in, dude. Yeah, yeah. we'll open up the doors for you, you know? So um, yeah, that, that, was, that, was really, that was really cool to see everybody just be very welcoming. Yeah, and the city really is a, a truly a city of neighborhoods. Um, every neighborhood can have its own brewery i mean that was one of the of the causes i always had to push during like the business plan phases because people are like oh aren't there too many breweries i'm like no really there, there aren't um there are still a number of of neighborhoods in south philly even that could hold their own breweries i can't say they all can be like the biggest baddest breweries around but there certainly can be a neighborhood sized place that has its own flair its own character um and serve the local people you talk about like each neighborhood having their own brewery um, and there being too many or not enough or, you know, we're still building. Mm. You know, if you look at the number of breweries in Philadelphia compared to some of the other, to other major cities in the mm -hmm. country, it's still relatively low. How do you see um, Philadelphia's beer scene growing and how do you want to be a part of that? South Philly's going to grow. There's room in South Philly, but for sure. I mean, we're the only brewery um, this side of Broad Street yeah. in South Philly. Which is crazy because there's so much more real estate. Yeah. Um, so that like there's definitely going to be more that start up. Maybe I mean in the south for sure, but definitely up in the north. You know, like you were saying, you live in Fishtown. Um, you know, that's like brewery capital of like our section of the East Coast right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
but yeah, there's definitely room. There's room for so many more people. And I mean, it would be sick. I mean, the more people means more collapse, you know, it's like more input on different recipes and maybe stuff that I wouldn't have thought up or Evan wouldn't have thought up. And yeah, the uh, West Philadelphia comes to mind. As far as I know, Dock Street is the only one out there. True. Um, and there, there are a lot of neighborhoods out in West Philadelphia that, that could definitely have a brewery, um, whether whether it's a big one or, or a local neighborhood one. So there's there's a lot of potential for growth there. Mm -hmm. Alex, you mentioned being new to Philadelphia or not having grown up in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Can you guys both talk a little bit about your backgrounds in general and how you found yourselves coming to be at the founding of Cartesian Brewing? Sure. Uh, yeah, so I grew up outside of, I grew up in Lancaster County. Uh, no, I'm not Amish. That's the first question everybody asks. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up right next to him. I, that's where we got all of our produce. But like, um, but uh, I then moved to Lancaster City for the past like five or six years. Uh, and I brewed at Victory uh, Brewing Company. And I was working packaging in Parksburg. And then I brewed at Downingtown. Um, and then I met Evan through somebody I knew there. And when he was trying to open Cartesian, um, and now pass it on to Evan. Yeah, um, I uh, grew up in Doylestown. That's kind of where I, I, I would call my home. Um, went to school in New York City, uh, and then came down to Philadelphia. Graduated in the middle of the recession, so that, that's kind of where I wound up. It was going to be a launch pad to, to go somewhere else. I don't know Denver or San Francisco, but um, I truly fell in love with it. Uh, and moving here, it kind of seemed like. Homebrewing was was the way to go. Uh, I heard on the Splendid Table, which is a little NPR show, about a couple who was brewing one gallon batches in their little apartment, uh, and their whole attitude was go big or, or go home. So I, I uh, went to the homebrew store and got this little one gallon batch kit, and they all made fun of me because nobody brewed one gallon batches in 2011. Um, but uh, my first beer was awesome. It was like a Belgian saison that was that was super cool. Um, second beer was awful, but that's that's how it goes. Um, and then it just it sort of progressed from there, where I, I got a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more curious, um, started to get a little bit bigger. And then I saw that there weren't any breweries down in the South Philadelphia area, so I thought this is a, a great um, place where I can do something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And is this both of your full time jobs? No, this is Evan. It's not his full time job. This is definitely my full time job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Evan, what do you do outside of founding Cartesian? I'm a structural engineer by day and an accountant by night. Well, a brewery accountant. <laughs> brewery spend most accountant of my, I spend most of my days doing taxes and reports and expenses and all kinds of fun stuff. Now, is the hope to maybe one day make this the full-time job? Absolutely. Or, yeah. That's part of the reason I got into it was to do something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to do something a little bit more with my hands, do a little bit more of a a little more creative outlet than, than engineering can be. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I love the field of structural engineering. It's really interesting, and it, it definitely helped with this building and the construct and uh, all the build-out and everything, um, to have it have a sense of how to put together a set of plans, how to deal with contractors, how to, how to talk um, language, um, understanding codes. It was super critical to, to, to uh, be able to read legal language um, from, the, from the food code to the architectural codes that we needed to turn this into, into a brewery. Um, but uh, it, it, the, I'm always definitely looking for something a little bit more uh, hands-on. Just to uh, contextualize where you're coming from as beer drinkers uh, to beer producers, what is both of your favorite beers? And uh, what other breweries do you maybe wish to emulate with your own space? So I can start with that one. Um, 
Now, in terms of favorite beers, I always say there's more than five in my top five. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> uh, you know, for the longest time, um, I think people get into beer from like three different avenues, and you guys all correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like the stout, dark coffee side, it's like the hoppy IPA side, or it's like that Belgian-y side. And I came in through the Belgian back door uh, with Wit beers. Um, Hogarden Wit was one of my first and favorite beers for the long time, um, but it really sort of developed into that Abbey style. Uh, West Male Triple, if you've ever had it, is a, pr is a perfect beer. Um, definitely hoppy, definitely alcoholic, definitely uh, sweet and malty, and like a really, really delicious beer. It's like a, a good Belgian triple or um, Duval, another another great great Belgian beer. Mm. Um, but then the haze craze kind of took over, and I learned that I actually do like hops. The IBU <laughs> wars of like the 2000s were not fun. Um, I don't know; <laughs> they, they, they kind of sucked. Um, I mean, but I don't get me wrong; I love like an arrogant bastard was was a really is a really good beer. Um, but uh, yeah, saisons are another great beer style that, that we love to explore. Oh, um, beer styles. I mean, I, I think that there's more than five in the top five is like the perfect yeah. way. I, like, I'm going to steal that. I have to. That's yeah. that's perfect. I, I like really all of it. I, mean, I really haven't. I, I've, uh, when a younger me was, you know, would stick my nose up to certain things. Um, you know, the glitter beer quote unquote thing that everybody talks about. Like, oh, I'm not going to drink glitter beer. It's like, I mean, if somebody tells me it's good, I'll try it now. You know, I've, so <laughs> I've softened as I've gotten older. Um, but my, I grew up, my dad, in the, in the, in the uh, IBU, IBU Wars, Wars yeah. um, my dad got a kegerator and always had, at first it was Dogfish 60, which I feel like a lot of people, he was saying, come in through the IP, IPA, IPA yep. yeah, route. It, 60 Minute is like what started craft beer, it feels like, or at least started where on the trajectory where we're at now. Um, and then it eventually went to, um, ironically, Hop Devil is like one of my dad's like all-time favorites. So I came in through drinking IPAs, being like, you know, we're like, you know, 21, uh, drinking, <laughs> drink, drinking IPAs, thinking we're super cool, super like like highfalutin beer drinkers. And then it started off into lagers, and it's like, oh, beer is like, like just because Miller Lite is a lager doesn't mean it's not a good beer. You know, it's like they make the exact same beer every time. No, none of us can say that we can do that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, craft lagers, um, and then then I got into Belgians, Hefs. He a Hef of Weizen is still probably, like, if, if you say you have a Hef, it's probably going to be my favorite beer. I absolutely love Hef Weizens. Um, dark beer, my grandma and I, anytime I go do yard work, I bring Guinness extra stout. Um, she loves dark beer. Uh, I gave her I gave her our stout. She's like, it's not dark enough. I'm like, oh, thanks, Graham. That's <laughs> sick. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I really like it all. The only thing I, that we were talking about this before the podcast, the only thing I really just, I'm not, I'm having a hard time understanding is like the fruity smoothie beers, like the ones that are like, like the thick, viscous, like to me, it's like we're getting beyond, like that's an alcoholic fermented beverage. I don't know if that's technically beer in my mind, uh, but yeah, I drink, I drink pretty much anything. It's good. And then yeah, beers that I love. I mean, uh, um, Bell's too hard to me still. Like I know it's kind of cliche and everybody know talks about it, but like there's a reason that it just keeps winning awards. It's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. It, that is a great beer. Yeah. yeah, and Matt and I and a couple of our friends have had the debates about what to call the heavily, heavily fruited smoothie esque mm. sours mm -hmm. and. I like that Crime and Punishment calls some of their beers lifestyle ales. Oh, I didn't know that was yeah. what that was. They That's do funny. That, yeah, they, they do that with their fruited sours. And I had no clue. It, it feels apropos. Like, it feels, like, so fitting. Um, and I feel like more breweries should pivot to that because I don't, like, yes, like, if you break them all down, like, technically somewhere in there is some sort of beer, but, like, 
Like, I don't know. See, like, and yeah. I'm into them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, oh. I like them a lot, but I agree that that's probably skirting the line of, like, Radler-esque territory. Yes. Right, like, we're right. talking about something that's not just yeah. got beer in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got such a percentage of something else. And I totally understand enjoying them. It's just I... I just have a, my palate has a hard time with the viscosity. I think it's mm-hmm. like it's like being able to chew on it is like something's wrong. Like it's not <laughs> computing in my brain, and then it's like sour. And a lot of the sours that you get nowadays are like puckering, just like it makes your cheeks hurt. And it's like, <laughs> oh, like this is a whole sensory experience my body is not used to. So it's a. Uh... It's good to hear, um, Alex, your, your stance on the fruited sour, especially because before we started recording, you let me try your apricot uh, fruited sour, mm-hmm. and which, which was fantastic. Thanks. How important is it to kind of find an amalgamation of your own taste as a beer drinker, but also kind of meet what the consumer wants? Mm. This is something that we've talked about a lot. It's something that I've thought about a lot. I feel like every brewer has to think about this, because every brewer at some point, every brewery has produced a beer that somebody who's in the developmental uh, you know, department of that brewery has not enjoyed or not wanted to make or is not their favorite style. Um, so when, we, when I get into like a fruited sour, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't really go after fruited sours. Like if, if somebody at the table gets one and says it's really good, I'll try it, but I'm not really gonna buy one you know, normally. So in making one, the idea was just like, I, I feel like we've had this, we've had success with this approach here in that if we don't really love some, like, if we're not super fans of, the, of a style, but we know we need to brew it, just going with balance. Just try to make something that is going to be not, it doesn't have to be crushable, doesn't have to be super high ABV, just something that's just like down to the middle, kind of boring, but not really, just trying to execute something well with balance that somebody that maybe not everybody is going to like, is looking for our fruited sour, which isn't super sour, isn't going to pucker your mouth, but like, is something that like everybody can drink and be like, okay, this is this definitely was a, a drinkable beer. The way that you're describing the process of creating that reminds me of a word that Evan said earlier, which is creative. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious for you both to talk about some of the creative aspects that go into opening a brewery, mm-hmm. especially especially having given your background mm-hmm. in of a, a different industry entirely, but how you both infuse creativity into your work. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, for me, it's it's the grand irony is oh, everyone's like, oh, you're an engineer, so you must love like the math and the science. And I, I read these these articles and <laughs> these uh, other things on uh, uh, on Reddit about like the thiols and the chemical, and I just it, my eyes glaze over and I don't want to read it because for me, brewing is always more of the artistic release. It, it's not about the chemistry side of it, uh, and so I, I've always thought that that my beers that I, I brewed or that I help, that I help Alex brew here um, sort of create, they don't have that same mathematical boundaries. They're not, they're not hardly defined by uh, styles and, and statistics with IBUs and ABVs. We sort of mash things together and, and put, uh, no pun intended, and put uh, ingredients together to create a beer that doesn't fit style. So then when we have to upload it to untapped in places like that, we always struggle. Like, well, what, what exactly is it? You're, you're very regimented there. Um, and so we don't like to brew to styles. We like to brew flavors. We like to brew uh, experiences. And a lot of what local origin brewing is for us is letting the ingredients kind of guide that path. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. we, we brewed a, a, a Maybach that's sitting in the tanks. Like We're waiting, waiting, waiting for it to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, already delicious. Mm-hmm. And we really let the local grains from Deer Creek uh, guide that beer. 
And before we get to Alex's creativity stance, can you tell the listeners what you mean by local origin? Sure. Uh, local origin, th- that is like the byline of the brewery. Um, that's very important. We should have talked about that from the beginning. <laughs> um, it's on the logo, or one of the logos. Uh, so the whole idea is to use as many local ingredients as possible um, and really ha- have it be uh, based on local agriculture. Um, I think like one of the old taglines was... Uh, farmhouse brewing within the city limits something <laughs> along those lines i think i got rid of that because a little hokey but uh, but, but, the, but the idea there like and the, the mission yeah. is there um we want to use local grains local hops uh local ingredients support um local agriculture i keep saying that word a lot but that's that's everything <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome. yeah i mean we have some pa whole flour in the cooler right now that is like burning a hole in our pocket we still have, i don't think we have a set plan for that at all yeah i think <laughs> for that one we're gonna do maybe a kolsch because it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a um, like a German-style hop. You're um, seeing the creative process right wait, now. We have not talked about it. You're hearing it here first, people. A Kolsch is coming. It, <laughs> I think a Kolsch. Hell yeah. 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 There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, we, and then so we're actually going to hopefully get a, um, a PA Preferred uh, label on that beer. Um, PA Preferred is, an, is a Department of Agriculture uh, certification for um, any kind of agricultural product, like beers and wines. And so breweries do uh, obtain that certification when they use Pennsylvania-grown grains and Pennsylvania-grown hops. Um, we're going to take it a step further and make a really small batch with Philadelphia harvested wild yeast that uh, mm. I got back in 2018, 17, 18, I want to say. Oh, is this the, the this yeast you have the in your freezer? Yeast I have in the freezer, oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So uh, we're only going to make a real small batch of it, but oh, probably one keg. But it'll, it'll be like the most Pennsylvania beer there is. Well, please <laughs> drop us a message on Instagram when <laughs> that beer is there because we will be here because that sounds awesome. And I want, I want, I want to drink that. Yeah. I like, I mean, I like Kolsch. So. Yeah. yeah, I want in on that. Yeah. 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 And it's a, it's an interesting yeast. It's, um, it's a Saccharomyces yeast. Uh, so it's not, it's not wild in that sense. It's not a Brett. It's not a sour yeast. It actually is a traditional ale yeast, but it just likes to eat sugars a lot and create kind of like unique um, tropical flavors. That's pretty cool. Nice. That's awesome. And how about creativity for your process, Alex? It's you seriously. You just watch it. It's like one of us has an idea, and then it's just like, oh, sick. Or it's like, uh, what about this? And then we just kind of like either add or take away. Like one person adds the equation, and the other person like mixes something around. And then we just kind of eventually fall on a recipe that we're both kind of like, uh, yeah, all right, cool. We both can, yeah, we both can live with that. Like that sounds, that sounds like fun for both of us. We'll have to make an IPA called Arguing About Hops. Yeah, yeah, we do. We <laughs> argue about hops a lot. <laughs> oh, that, that's a really good name. Too. It is. <laughs> um, hops, yeah. hops and mineral profile, I think, are too. Although I think our mineral, I think we're sort of. We're getting there. Yeah, we are getting there. We, yeah. we, we haven't had any blowouts yet, but we definitely have had some talks where it's just like I walk away, I'm like, I hope he didn't think that was yelling there. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I've never thought. No, that. I know. But yeah, that's it. Really, just comes down to like we, you know, I've we've both drank a million beers, and we, you know, you look at the ingredients list. He's probably played with more ingredients than I have because I've done most of my brewing at Victory, um, which I brewed a lot of six point beers there as well because they're also owned by the Artisanal Brewing Ventures company. Um, so I got to play with a lot of different hops, um, and then Victory does lagers really well. So I got to, you know, I, I got the techniques down there, but the uh, ingredients wasn't as diverse, nearly as diverse as what we've already played with here. So he'll come up with some ideas, and I'm just like, all right, that sounded great, but let's maybe dial it back like 10, 20%. <laughs> I do that all the time. He always comes in, firing in with these crazy ideas. I'm like, all right, let's just dial it down a little bit. Um, and usually, that, what Alex says is that uh, our relationship tends to be the opposite of what you usually expect. Yeah. Uh, the, the, usually it's the brewery owner who's the one who's mm. pinching the pennies and trying to, you know, 
uh, tone down the crazy ideas. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's the brewery owner who's the one who, who loves the beers more than the brewer does. Yeah. It's, it's a, little, a little bit of the opposite. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm totally just like, whoa, that sounds great, but maybe like 10, 20% less. So, uh, but then, you know, there are some times where, you know, I'm super passionate about something. Like the, the Pilsner we have going right now is, that is like, that recipe has been burning a hole in my pocket since I got here. Um, we just been having, we, you know, opening, you have to get, you can't lock or something for six weeks when you only have three tanks, right. you know? So getting, this is finally, we got the lager done, the first lager, like a Hellas style. Um, I didn't love it for a couple of different reasons. Uh, and, but I think this Pilsner, I think we corrected everything and I'm like super passionate about that. And then I want to change yeast for the next one. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and then I'm just like, all right, fine. Yeah, whatever. You, I'm you, ready for new yeast. Yeah. You let me have this one. You can have that one. So we're seeing the creative, uh, you know, process playing out right here in, in, you know, in person, which is very exciting for me. Um, Evan, I have to ask you, you know, we've talked now to a couple brewers or brewery owners who have now kind of let go the brewing duties to other people. What is that like when you're the business owner to let it go and to still be part of it, but to you know let that process be run by someone else and did you ever while you were building your business model here consider being the head brewer uh so i answered the last question first which was which is yes um i was originally going to be a head brewer um, and i was going to hire an assistant brewer to help with some of the uh, uh more physical tasks because um, it definitely takes more than one person to do things um, but as part of the uh, financing process, the financial institution who did give me my money, thank you very much, um, <laughs> did say that they wanted somebody with, with the experience. Uh, and I, I agree with that. I mean, especially going, coming into COVID, um, where the market is really tough, uh, having somebody with professional experience is really valuable to me. Uh, so to answer the first part of the question, it's been quite liberating um, to not have to worry about okay. a lot of a lot of, the, a lot of the small things. I was um, worried what he was gonna say. <laughs> I, I, I trust Alex, um, and I, I allow him to have um, freedom in the brew house to to do what he needs to do and to get done what he needs to get done. Um, and like he said, uh, I come in with recipes and ideas. Ultimately, if you want to like give me a title, I could like maybe say I'm brewmaster because I ultimately have the final say but really it is a partnership between Alex and I in terms of the the brewing um, not the duty sorry the brewing vision you could call it mm -hmm. um, but he does get a lot of the uh, the hard work done and I allow him to do that yes so Alex to like kind of piggyback off that mm -hmm. um, working at, at victory was this always a goal of yours to be a head brewer at a smaller craft brewery honestly I had not envisioned it going this direction at least at this part in the career um it just kind of how it worked out um you, you were telling me how you you stayed in philly because of a girl i moved to philly because of a girl so like we got together i lived in lancaster she lived in philly uh we had a conversation one day it was it was this simple it was like hey you want to move to lancaster she, no all right cool i'll find a job in philly and that was like <laughs> it. that was like oh that's the entire conversation um, so I just started looking around and like I, I applied to I even applied, I applied to yards because that was you know I had the big the bigger beer experience that was where I was I you know I thought I could be more effective um, and then like coming in here I had a lot of anxiety because like my, my the brew house that I ran at the Downingtown is you know it's fully automated I mean you know to a point but like you know turning a valve all the knockout lines everything's you know set up already 
um, you click a button on the computer screen to you know open a, open or close a valve. So coming in here, you know everything like the mash tun. I, if I'm going to CIP it, I have to put the spray ball in. If I'm going to sparge, I have to put the sparge arm in. You know, so it's totally different. Um, it was very intimidating. I would I don't I did not think that I was like super ready for it. Um, it turns out a lot of the a lot of the experience I had at Downingtown, thankfully, did dovetail. Um, but no, I did not expect to be at a ten barrel system at this point. I assumed I was gonna like because I'm trying to move through the IBD right now, which uh, is what uh, International Brewing Diploma. I think so. Dist or no, in the International Brewing and Distilling something or other. It's like some some uh, English brewing degree you can get. It's like one of the few brewing degrees that that like like a lot of the the internationally is recognized as like, oh, that's like a legit degree. You know, mm -hmm. there are some brewing programs that are ranked higher than others. The IBD is ranked pretty high. So I thought, you know, I'd go through that, get my sea legs, maybe, you know, be supervisor at some other big brewery, and then maybe eventually just get fed up with the whole big brewing thing and then, you know, start my own place. Uh, but no, this just kind of like all kind of serendipitously worked out. Truly. Yeah, it was, it was not like some sort of grand plan. It just kind of the pieces all just kind of like fell together um, like my girlfriend's old apartment is like a five minute walk from here like I remember like I, I interviewed you know I was like at her place it's like okay well I'm just gonna go down the street real quick <laughs> so same girl so this worked out same girl this, yeah, is, working right. out. this is great no this is great we, we're, we're now we live we live in South Philly together now great uh, <laughs> now you've both mentioned I mean it makes sense this is a new brewery but you've both mentioned parts of the aspects that are new to you mm -hmm. coming from your different backgrounds and I want to ask a question about like the vision of the brewery going forward, which we talked a little bit about, but in particular, I'm interested as like two white guys interviewing other a bunch of white brewers mm. in an industry that's always been like mm -hmm. white dudes brewing beer for other white dudes, mm -hmm. uh, but who are interested in like changing that and um, seeing how to welcome other folks into the space. How do you incorporate some of those ideals into what you're doing as you kind of create the vision for this brewing company? Yeah, um, it, it can be tough to do explicitly, uh, but the goal is always to be as welcoming to everybody as we possibly can. Um, we have already participated in different events with, with different organizations. Um, for example, we did a happy hour with a Quota, a Queers on the Avenue, um, and that, that was really great, and that, that was a great night. And we've been... Um, that was packed. We've since been reached out to... Um, by other uh, queer organizations for, for things like that. Uh, so that, that's, that's gonna be great. I mean, and great for everybody. There's, I'm not talking about it in like a monetary sense. It's like we want everybody to feel, to feel welcome and to feel included in the, uh, the, the brewing realm. Um, I mean, in, in terms of hiring, the goal is to, to be as, as diverse as we, we possibly can be. Um, we just, our staff happens to be who they are because of who, who applies at the time. Um, but uh, I mean, we don't certainly put up any, any barriers uh, or judge anybody by uh, anything external or internal as long as they, they like beer and they like to, uh, to they fit the, the, the scene that we have going on here. Mm -hmm. We're all a little more type B, I think. We were kind of having the discussion the other day about hiring a, th a third bartender and, or fourth, I guess, fourth bartender and how we're going to fit people into our, with, with our crew, type A, type B type personalities. Mm -hmm. Are there any breweries or brewers or company owners even whose models you kind of want to emulate in terms of that? We talked a little bit about the vision of growth and types of beer, mm -hmm. but in terms of like who are doing the change making work that you guys are interested in doing? Um, I guess maybe uh, Triple Bottom in Philadelphia. 
I know they're they're a nonprofit, and their goal always is to uh, to help out people uh, who are slightly more in need, uh, community members who maybe need a second chance. I think that's really important, and I really uh, respect the work that they're doing. I think they're B Corp too. They're, they're exactly. They're, yeah, they're, they're basically yeah. They're yeah, definitely like pillars in the community at this point for mm -hmm. how to run a brewery. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. um, and I guess in terms of more. Um, Globally, uh, I think uh, is it Maine Brewing Company that does a lot of stuff. But a lot of the New England breweries, I feel like, really push. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I shouldn't even say New England because now I'm thinking of like places in Colorado and California. I mean, it, a lot of breweries do tend to explore and want to uh, prop up the environmental movement. Um, I think that's that's something that's really really mm -hmm. important. Um, that's part of the local origin brewing. Um, the idea is to reduce the shipping costs and to support the local community. So maybe we don't have as explicit or as obvious as a mission as a place like Triple Bottom, but um, by buying local ingredients, we are supporting local farmers. Oh yeah, That's and the awesome. local economy. So we're sitting here in your space and still young, um, and we we talked about growth. So talk to us a little bit about how you envision this brand growing Do, will we see cans of cartesian in bottle shops will we see a second location in another neighborhood you know before even recording we talked about or i don't even remember if that was while recording we talked about <laughs> <laughs> we talked about you know west philly we talked about yeah. um you know other spaces that kind of are you know untapped resources mm -hmm. to this point do you is that something you're interested in and uh, you know how would that kind of manifest itself you know, as you continue to grow your business? Yeah, um, I remember as part of the first business plan, I think I gave like five options of how we could expand in the future. Um, but I think f for the moment, I, you know, I really look to um, Forest in Maine to, to name drop another great Philly area brewery uh, as having like a perfect model of organic growth. They really took their time in filling out their first space and then they rented what they called the new space next door and had additional tanks additional serving that's when they went from filling crowlers to filling cans um and then they, they grew that space out and now they're the great production brewery that they are now and we're hoping to have a collaboration beer with them because they're a company i truly do respect yeah absolutely. for multiple reasons um uh we can talk about that beer in a little bit <laughs> uh, but in terms of us here um we already are in some bottle shops um you can find us in different local bottle shops in South Philly. It's just me right now uh, driving around in my car with my PLCB magnetic sticker on the side <laughs> to make it legal. With a six still in the trunk. With a six still in the trunk. <laughs> um, rolling around, getting covered in dog hair. Um, uh, dropping it off at a couple of different lo local bars. Um, so we, and we did just get contacted by Tattooed Moms, mm -hmm. and which is a great South Philadelphia, they're not South Philadelphia, South Philadelphia uh, uh, institution, and they're interested in having, having our, our beer on tap there. That's going to be, be really cool. Uh, I guess in terms of like the next steps, um, we've got a pretty good system here. Um, we can definitely make it a little bit bigger, not too much bigger given our space, um, but I, I think our limitations at this space uh, or at this property is actual physical space and seating. We probably could seat more individuals uh, if we had another another location, mm -hmm. um, but I wouldn't want to go far afield. Um, I know ARS as a local brewery opened a Fishtown location, um, and that's great for them. I, I, I that, that's really exciting for them. But for me, I, I would see doing another local space right down here, maybe around the block, um, some kind of like a. 
sitting in like a like a we call it like a lager keller or something like that, oh, some, some right, kind of name like that, where we'd just be like, we, we would serve probably like local sausages or something like that, and just have like four lager beers on tap, and that's it. Like that's where you're gonna get our lager beers if you want those. Yeah, um, I, yeah. It's it, it, I think he said that just to like have like make me happy on like the day <laughs> I wasn't feeling well or something. Like, that's exactly that's all I want to do. Oh no, right? there are like two or three properties like right around this space around past young avenue that are that are available well and you're really speaking to like and we talked about this earlier like when i first arrived and how philadelphia truly is a logger town mm-hmm. yeah. i mean starting with the german immigrants that came here and the fact that like we have a, a neighborhood called brewery town that was once populated yeah. by 30 plus breweries all brewing their own brand of lager mm-hmm. and the fact that you know you see certain local breweries like human robot and triple bottom and attic that are thriving with loggers you know, the fact that you are talking about a space solely dedicated to lagers, I think speaks to the, really the heart of the Philadelphia beer drinker. I mean, Chris, you and I are huge craft beer fans. I'm a huge craft beer fan. I started drinking craft beer now, you know, 13 years ago. And, you know, still to this day, lager, I feel like runs through my veins. You know, like I, we, we are always a human robot. And to drink, you know, uh, uh, a Kolsch or, you know, even something like, um, you know, drinking all the styles that you can have within the lager genre is so huge. So you're really speaking, I think, to a lot of Philadelphia area pride and taste with that space. And that, to me, gets me very excited. When you said that, I was like, what? Yes. <laughs> Let's get that space going. I got to right? keep him, I got to keep Alex employed for like five more years. So <laughs> that's, that's how you do it. That's how I do it. Yeah. Get a couple of horizontals, tell me to brew loggers. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Fine. Yeah. The, do, uh, do whatever you want. And just like you said, to echo what you were saying about the, the, the realm of loggers, it is, it is huge. Um, I remember uh, I was, I guess, right out of college getting my friends into beer uh, and I decided to do like a tasting. And so what I did is I got all lagers. I got 12 different lagers that were as extreme as like Bud Light all the way to like Baltic Porters. And we went down the list and, and had all these crazy unique lagers. And they were so amazed that one not style of beer, but one family of beer could be as diverse as it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess in terms of lagers, uh, I'm a huge fan of like Eastern European lagers, like Polish lagers are the ones that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, the, the best time to get them is at the Polish festival in Częstochowa up in Doralstown in September. They have uh, the style of beer called um, strong beer, uh, <laughs> where it's like basically like seven, eight, nine percent alcohol by volume. I don't know what they do to make it that way, but it's they're sweet and delicious. Um, and they're and, strong. And they're strong. Yeah, yeah, you Adelaide gave me a couple. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I, and like all the Polish breweries, they all they all have like Varka is one Polish brewery, and they have Varka and then Varka strong and Womja and Womja strong and things mm-hmm. like that. So every every brewery seems to kind of have that. Uh, that, that that style um, kind of runs you like 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 Belgian abbeys in a way where they just have the different grades of beer um, for strength. Now and that's a really great style of beer that I would love to love to explore someday. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that um, we talked about we talked about with a previous guest, um, John Paradiso, mm-hmm. uh, was about the term the year of the lager. Yes. And it's almost a running joke at this point that this is going to be the year of the lager. We are, yeah. <laughs> is it? I, when they put our logger on, it will be the year of the logger. <laughs> I've been using that hashtag religiously well as much as I can. So when the Maybach comes out, we'll do that. When the um, we have a coffee black logger that is a uh, oh, yeah. collaboration beer, that's that's gonna get the hashtag year of the logger. When uh, yeah, what, who is the company? Um, breweries in PA. They're the ones the ones that are pushing it real hard. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. 
in in here in Philly, it feels like the year of blogger. I mean, I was so surprised when I got here. I, I assumed it was going to be haze craze, you know, fruited sours, and that was pretty much it. And seeing you know one of the most popular, if not the most popular, brewery in the city makes their name off you know triple decocted. Um, you know, check lager. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh, sick. Yeah, hell yeah. This is, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Um, I did not expect it to be like that here, like he's saying, where, you know, like this is a lager town, you know, coming from out of town. Because um, this is what I, that's what I like to drink, you know. Like if, I, if I'm at home drinking, I like to drink a lager. I don't like to drink IPAs too much, make my stomach hurt. Um, but yeah, like I, hopefully, you know, so, I mean, if, if we could only just brew lagers, I'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Prior to uh, being a co-host with Matt, uh, Matt and our other friend Jeff had said, and so I entered the beer scene not liking lagers, Mm. and both of them uh, have been influential in trying to get me to be open to it, and and so I have, and we went to Log Jam in last year, we'll go again this year, and in any case, uh, one of the arguments was, but lagers are like a brewer's beer. Like, all Mm. the brewers love lagers, and I was like, ah. Uh, and now I'm hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a stereotype, for sure. <laughs> well, you also brewed a victory, so you had Prima Pilsner all around you all the time. Out of which the is like the absolute, like, that's the, the gold standard. It's the gold standard. The American Pilsner. It yeah. doesn't get better, it just gets different. Really, German Pilsner. Prima, I guess, is a German Pilsner. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, but in terms of, for like, an American company. Yeah, but in terms of, like, the craft Pilsner, Prima Pilsner and, you know, Firestone Walker, their mm-hmm. uh, P- Pivo is like, that's it. I, and you know what? Human Robots Hallertau is, is. Oh, yeah. It, it yeah. swings with the best of them. Yeah. It, it is oh, incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, no, the, the Prima Pills out of the tank is without a doubt one of the best beer drinking experiences you can have. Honestly, if you go there and like you talk to one of the bartenders and you're just like, Hey, you guys got a prima back there? I like the beer review. Like you, you might catch them on the right moment. Be like, all right, give me a second. Like, yeah, you can try it. It's so it's that is the gold standard for beer. Absolutely. Like I go back there just to like I like you know I go see my friends, but it's like hey, you guys got prima the tag, right? <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, Evan and Alex, it's been an awesome conversation. Before we wrap up, I wanted to just see if there's anything else you guys wanted to shout out to the listeners about Cartesian or uh, anything else we hadn't covered yet. Um, before we wrap this one up. Uh, we're working on a number of collaborations with a number of different people, uh, entities, organizations, not even just other breweries. So be on the lookout for those. They're going to be awesome. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, we have a, a beer release this week. We should yeah. talk about that. We do have a beer release this uh, week. When does this come out? This will come out in like a month. Or oh, yeah. all right. Well, but still, but still, we're going to have a beer release this week. Right? Yeah, but but still tell us about we it. We had a beer release about three weeks ago now. Uh, <laughs> Um, we have uh, we did a collab with Cafe up in North Philly called Foreign Cafe. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about them. They have a house blend of coffee that they have roasted for them, and we put it into we essentially made cold brew here with a dark lager that I brewed um, mm-hmm. with some. Was that Deer Creek as well? It had some Deer Creek Munich, their, yeah. their Dutch Munich malt, which is yeah. really tasty. Um, yeah, so we made it. We made a dark lager, uh, threw it into the tank, let it sit for a couple of weeks, and that is being released. Well, it is released now, but it's being released later this week. <laughs> yeah. um, and we're having like a ticketed event there, and we're gonna do a beer release. And that's but, awesome. Yeah, hopefully it turns out really nice. A I'm friend of really ours proud of this. Beer. Lives in the building that that is attached. Oh, to. really? Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a sweet Eric. building, actually. Yeah. It's like really sick. Um, yeah. No, this is. I think as of now, this might be the best beer we've brewed. Wow. And I'm not, I'm so not. Chris, you should probably get I'll this. be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation, as Chris said. And uh, we look forward to seeing what Cartesian has for us in the future. And we look forward to being back here many, many times in this awesome outdoor space this summer. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That was really cool, Chris. Um, you know, we talked early on before the interview about how they are truly a neighborhood brewery and you alluded to their back patio space. And, you know, you, you can't really uh, appreciate that space until you are there. Uh, you know, you literally have bedroom windows that are probably 15 feet from where you're sitting, people looking into the space um, of this, this hidden little beer garden in the back of their uh, brewery. And, um, it's just really cool. And it, it, it's such a cool place to spend time and knowing that Evan and Alex are doing really cool things and are already reaching out to a lot of neighborhood groups, um, to try to do collaborations, to try to make their space more inviting and welcoming, um, to anybody it is really cool. Yeah, agreed. And in addition to having a blast with them recording the interview, it was also really fun to spend time with them before and after because Evan and Alex are super hospitable. And so we spent some time just talking at the bar in the brewery um, with Alex pouring us some of his own um, beers, including one that actually hadn't even been released yet. And they were delicious. And the conversation was great. And one of the things that came up is that they're interested in knowing how to do more of the community inclusion that some of the other breweries um, are doing and that they've started doing themselves. So it actually led to me interview, um, emailing Melissa Walter from Love City and just asking like, hey, are there any resources that you would want to share or advise other breweries to check out? So she sent me an awesome list of helpful things that we're going to be able to pass on to any of the breweries that we speak to, um, thanks to her leadership, but also thanks to uh, Alex and Evan for wanting to do that and trying to prioritize inclusivity in whatever ways they can. So uh, I'll be really excited to see how they continue to incorporate um, DEI work basically into what they do. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And, you know, we've made it a point early on in the journey of this podcast to highlight those those issues and those, um, you know, the work being done by breweries. And it's important to not only do the work, but continue to learn, continue to listen, continue to ask questions, continue to seek resources. Um, if you think you're doing enough, do more. Like that's, I think, what every brewery should kind of think about. If you think you're doing enough, do more. And they were so not only open to it, but wanted to aggressively pursue it. And that's the great thing, you know, what the, the want for more. And uh, I'm very excited to see how they pursue that, you know, through their business as they move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that they'll be pursuing those interests as hard as I'm going to be pursuing my continued skincare routine. And <laughs> that'll transition us to our social media stuff, which I want to actually ask the listeners, if you have a skincare routine you want to share with us, uh, 
people of any gender, but especially dudes, because I think dudes are the ones who are like really lacking in this department as I was, um, then hit us up on at Beer People Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, or send us your uh, skincare routine <laughs> at beerpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or refer us to other folks who might be great to connect with. So continue listening and we'll look forward to talking to you soon.